0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning. Our reading today comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. You can find it on your, uh, your Red Bibles on page 948. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. The word of the Lord. Good morning. going to be reading from Matthew chapter 23, verses... Is 1 through 5. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. So I'm going to uh, kind of pull back the curtain here for a bit on how our series was designed. The series that we're in right now at Artisan uh, called The World Falling Apart. Um, we uh, A couple months ago in our staff meeting, we're thinking through this moment in time, these weeks of you know, late summer, early fall, when kind of everybody's finished with their summer travel and they're kind of realigning their routines and things. We tried to schedule a series most years in the fall that is something that sparks interest that maybe people will, will be inclined to make their way back to church after a summer of kayaking or whatever. Um, Whatever you do on Sundays is, is great. Um, I don't have Sundays off, so I can't, but um, it's totally fine and there's no judgment from me, truly. Um, jealousy, yes. Judgment, no. <laughs> anyway, this idea came up to do a series about how the world feels like it's falling apart because it does on so many scales. It feels like it's falling apart on a global scale, and for many people, it feels like it's falling apart on an individual scale, and we know that that's true for so many of us. And so we thought, well, we could do a series about that um, and at least engage with the idea, if not solve any of the world's biggest problems uh, on Sunday mornings in 20 minutes. Um, let's be honest, 20 minutes is wishful thinking. But <laughs> So we, if you've been through, us through this series, you kind of know where we've been. We started out with saying the struggle is real. We had some actual individual people stand up here and very bravely talk about the particular struggles they're going through. To, have, to remind everybody in the room that your particular struggles matter as well. It's not just the big picture uh, struggle of the world. I told you in the second week that you are not alone in the scale, long scale of the history of God's people, which is told in the stories of the scriptures and in the tradition of the church. There's characters in the Bible who are good and godly people who nonetheless suffered. And we looked at them for a little while to see what they might have to teach us. In the next week, I talked about what it means to think about things in the end. Because so often, there's this religious platitude that we hear, which is something along the lines of, just hang on, trust God, everything will be fine in the end. And you want to say, well, yes, that is true, I hope. That's part of being a Christian, is believing something along those lines most days. But also, what about right now? And we need to find that balance between thinking of the end and thinking of today. Last week, I had a sermon entitled, Rejoice in Suffering, question mark, because that idea of rejoicing in suffering, which is biblical, and in that it comes from the Bible, is nevertheless used sometimes to um, dismiss the, the reality of what we're going through. And so... Just being told to rejoice in your suffering is not enough. We have to think about what that means. And so that was last week. And then next week, by the way, we're concluding the series. And once again, we're going to turn to you, the people of Artisan Church, to talk to us about what gives you hope. Now, this could be just a few sentences, and we'll probably do like, um, popcorn sharing. Just come up and say, what gives me hope today is X, Y, or Z. But if you are already kind of one of those people who's like, hey, I, th- I think I have something to share on that, um, catch me before you leave today, because I'd love to have just a couple of people lined up to sort of get things going. Once people share, everybody wants to share, but the, nobody wants to be the first one. So I guess I just told you that if you come talk to me, you're signing up to be the first one. I shouldn't have said that, but uh, this is a How the Sausage is Made series, or our sermon, anyway, so this is, it all fits. Anyways, today is this one which we titled Solidarity and Suffering. I say we, like I titled it Solidarity and Suffering because when we were talking through this series, I thought, oh, there's that verse in the Bible that says bear one another's burdens. I'll just do a sermon or a sermon about bearing one another's burdens. I'll call it Solidarity and Suffering. It has alliteration it can't miss. So many people are going to get saved that week. <laughs> Bear one another's burdens burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's the whole verse. Well, sometimes what happens is um, July planner pastor writes a check and then September preacher pastor has to cash it. (laughs) And when I sat down this week to write the sermon, Solidarity and Suffering, based on Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ, I looked at the rest of the paragraph in Galatians six, at the beginning there, and I realized I'd forgotten. There's a whole other verse, just a, just a like a, a few centimeters away on the page, and it seems to contradict the verse that I wanted to talk about. The verse that I based the whole topic of the sermon on. Did you happen to notice that when um, Sarah read the passage earlier? Um, I'll read it for you again. It's pretty short. I'm going to just give you the, the the. the whole passage from the epistle to the Galatians here, which is Galatians 6, 1 through 5, and um, here's what it says. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves, all must test their own work, then that work rather than their neighbor's work will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. I read that paragraph and I'm like, oh, now I'm stuck. Now I'm in a pickle. It's a conundrum. I'm in a quandary. Which one is it? What am I supposed to preach on? Is it bear one another's burdens? Or is it everyone has to carry their own load? Those two things do not seem to be possible to both be true. What is going on here? And I'm not ashamed to admit, I did have a brief moment where I thought, I'll just give a nice sermon about Galatians 6.2. I won't mention the other verses. I won't talk about what comes before it or what comes after it. Just, just details anyway, right? <laughs> but this was a very fleeting thought because I know that you are all way too smart for me. And um, I'm, I may have been preaching a long time, but I'm not good enough to keep your attention so that nobody in the room would read the rest of the text while I was talking. Somebody always does. They always pull it open and read the other other parts. And also, if you've been around Artisan for any length of time, you've heard me tell you that you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do just one verse. And and if it conveniently says what you want it to say, just stick with that and don't worry about the other parts. You cannot live your life of faith only with the page a day, verse of the day calendar. Right? Nothing against the verse a day calendar. If you have one, that's wonderful. It's better to read one verse than zero verses, and I encourage you to read it every day. But the thing is, sometimes those things get surgically removed from the passages that they're part of, and they get stuck on a calendar page or a poster or something. And then if you go and read the context, you think, I'm not sure that's what that means at all. And what my worry was is that I had just done it. I had said Galatians 6.2 is solidarity and suffering, but maybe that's not what the passage means at all. It had been a long time since I studied that passage. So, Um, What this gives me a chance to do is to show you what what I do when I come across a problem like that. In other words, to show you how to dig a little bit deeper into the text of the Bible and see if we can figure out what might be going on here. So let me tell you a little bit about what that means. The first thing is that we always have to remember, we must keep in mind that we read the Bible in translation. Contrary to what Christian subculture might have made you think, it did not drop out of the sky in English in 1950, right? Uh, Most of the Christian scriptures, what we commonly call the New Testament, were written in Greek. And what we have as English speakers is many different translations of that Greek text, or if you wanted to be a little bit more picky about it, what we actually have is many different English translations of copies of the manuscripts of the original Greek text, because we don't have the original version of any of these documents. We have copies of copies of copies. But that's true of all ancient literature. It's true of the Iliad. It's true of, it's true of Shakespeare, right? We don't have the original thing that any these people wrote, wrote on. And what's interesting to me, now I, this is where I confess to you once again that I am a little bit of a word nerd, not really a word, more of a word jock, but like... <laughs> But I like language and stuff, and I know that's not everybody's jam, so you're, I'm just going to ask you to bear with me for a few minutes, because I think it will actually matter. I think that I can, I, think I can bring you along on this journey with me in a way that makes sense. Something that sometimes happens when you translate from Greek to English, as an example, it will probably happen with any translation effort, is that um, let's say you have a word that appears twice in a passage in English. It's not necessarily true that that same word appeared twice in Greek, and the opposite is also true you might have two different words in the English translation that actually in the original Greek were the same Greek word. So one example of this um, is the, the words righteousness and justice. We use different words for those things. We, 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 have those, we have those two different words in English. They appear in our Bibles all over the place, both of them, righteousness and justice. And in the church world, they mean very different things. Justice is like God's ideal, and maybe we might be persuaded to work toward justice for all people through our you know, societies and things and get involved with our neighborhoods. Righteousness, on the other hand, is like, how holy are you? And if you swung your holiness hammer at the carnival, could you ring the bell because you're good enough? But in the biblical language, it's the same word. Righteousness is justice and justice is righteousness. That's true in the Hebrew of the Old Testament and the Greek of the New Testament. So, that's one example. So, you can see that when we have a passage like Galatians 6, 1 through 5, where it says, bear one another's burdens, and then it also says, everyone has to carry their own load, you might want to go a little deeper and look at the original language. Now, here's the thing. I've studied Greek, like in school, one of the things I had to do was study Greek. But you need to know that the last time I studied Greek with a professor who had a PhD after their name was in a literal different century. <laughs> right? So I am not an expert. I'm barely more knowledgeable than than most of you and less knowledgeable than some of you probably when it comes to Greek, uh, New Testament Greek. And way back then when it was the 90s, you guys follow that guy on TikTok or Instagram? I love that guy. <laughs> if you don't know who I'm talking about, you're dismissing out. Um I'll tell you after. If you i tell you what, if you come up and sign up to share next week, I'll I'll I'll, sell, I'll tell you who I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, in the 90s, the internet was just getting going and it was there were not as nearly as many tools for this kind of thing as there are today. And if you wanted to know Greek, you pretty much had to go study it with a professor or be really 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 good at teaching yourself. A language that doesn't even use the same alphabet that English uses, right? But now there are online tools that are available that really work very well. And as a matter of fact, I use them when I'm studying now because again, it was another century when I learned how to do this without those tools. So here's what I actually want to do. I'm going to, I think I can make this work. I'm going to screen share with my laptop. So that the people on Zoom can see it, and then we're going to drag the Zoom window into the computer window up there, so that you can see it in here. Now, if that doesn't work, um, we didn't have Zoom going in the nine o'clock service, and it it worked out okay. So let's see if this goes. Um, All right, I've got a screen share up on Zoom, and we'll see it come up on the screen in the sanctuary shortly. I think. If it doesn't work, like I said, we'll make it. We'll we'll get through it. All right, it's about to come up. There we go. So I have a browser window here. What I'm going to do is type in blue letter blueletterbible.org. Some of you have seen me do this in the sanctuary before. It's been a few years, but some of you know this tool. So what happens here is that um, you can type in a passage here. I'm going to put in Galatians 6. That's the chapter we're working on. And what it brings up, can you see this at all on the screen? I know that some people are listening to the podcast right now, and they're like, thanks a lot, man. This is really great. This is superb radio. You're doing a wonderful job. I'm going to try to describe what you're seeing. Um, so each verse from Galatians 6 is brought out here. And you can see, if you're in the sanctuary with me or on Zoom, that it's in the King James Version of the Bible. That's not important too much for... The reason why is not important for us, but you'll notice that there's very gender-specific language here, which we have... Um, uh, our translators have changed a little bit, and there's some other words that that um, might we might use different words for. But then you can also see that in verse 2, uh, it says, bear one another's burdens, and in verse 5, it says, for every man shall bear his own burden in this translation it uses burden in both places so maybe the original greek word is the same well here's how you can tell if you're on blue letter bible and you see the verse you can click this tools button and it opens up do you see all that greek it's literal greek to you isn't it right you don't need to know what all the greek alphabet stuff is you don't need to know any of that if we scroll down here we can find the word burdens highlighted because it breaks out each individual word in each individual verse and then this thing that says G922 is called a Strong's number. This is an old, old-fashioned old um, tool that categorizes each word in the Bible in its original language. And you don't need to know that either. All you need to know is that you can click on it. And if I click on that, it shows me. The Greek word is baros. It tells me stuff about the part of speech, the root word. It tells me uh, how it is used in the Bible. This, this word appears six times in the Bible. It typically means heaviness, weight, burden, or trouble. And then here's the best part. If you scroll down a little bit more, you get to see every time it appears in the Greek New Testament. That Greek word, which once again, might be translated in different ways in English. So if we want to find, like, how does the biblical uh, witness, what are the authors of the Bible, how do they use this word? This is the tool I go to do that. All right. So if I go back to chapter 6, and we close out the tools for, for verse 2, we're going to go down to verse 5. This is the one that the King James Version says burden again, and in the New Rise Standard said load. Everyone has to carry their own load. And if we scroll down, G5413, that's a different Greek word, isn't it? And so you can click on that and see that that's a different word. It has a, a similar but different definition. And if you scroll all the way down, here's the usages of that word. That's used four times in the New Testament. It's a little bit less common. Now, the purpose of this is not to tell you that you should expand your Greek vocabulary. That truly does not matter at all. This tool allows you to see, is this word being used consistently throughout Scripture? And what might the translators have had in mind when they chose to translate it one way or another? And then my favorite part about it is that you can look at these other verses where it's used, and in this case, the, the word that's used the second time in Galatians, the one that says everyone has to carry their own load, is also used by Jesus, and you can see in Matthew 11.30, Jesus said, and you might have heard this verse before, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and then you get to Matthew 23 where he really takes it to the Pharisees, All Right? And I'm going to close out my screen share here. That's all all you needed from that. We are out of the weeds now. Everybody okay? Was that just the right amount of Greek for a Sunday morning? (laughs) You're a liar. (laughs) That was way more Greek than you wanted. I love the fact that this tool pointed me from Galatians 6, where we're talking about bearing one another's burdens and also the fact that we have to carry our own burdens or our own loads in some way. It pointed me to Jesus saying something about the Pharisees. Do you remember what he said? Kristen read it a minute ago. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do. And now you get the origin of one of the great teachings in all of history. For they do not practice what they teach. So if you've ever been told you should practice what you preach, it's from Jesus. What do they do instead? They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but this still happens today. Religious teachers and experts tie up heavy burdens which are hard to bear, and we, because I'm one of them, place them on the shoulders of other people and won't even lift our own finger to help or to lift that same burden in our own lives. And that's where it really gets challenging. How many times has it come out in the news that some preacher who publicly railed against some specific kind of sin was found in fact to be committing that same sin a hundred times worse. And so what this inspires me to do is to contrast the idea of a burden of religion with the idea of the burdens of Jesus. And we already know, because we found it in Blue Letter Bible, we just stumbled on it accidentally, that Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is what? Light. Light. And so if some religious goober is (laughs) tying up a burden for you and it feels heavy, guess what? By definition, it is not the burden of Jesus. Jesus' burden is light. It doesn't mean Jesus is never gonna ask you to do something difficult. What it means is that the weight that a religious person puts on you must not be heavy (laughs) or it is not the burden of Jesus. Religious burdens are placed on you by people who refuse to carry them in their own lives. And Jesus' burden is inherently, and by definition, carried by his body, both on the cross when he bore the burden of all of the sins of humankind, and in the fact that we as the church are the body of Christ. And when we bear one another's burdens, we are doing the work of Jesus. And as I began to think more and more about this, it started to make a little more sense to me and I began to think that I had an idea about what was going on in Galatians 6, 1 through 5, where it seems to say two things that contradict each other, bear one another's burdens on one hand and everyone has to carry their own load on the other. This is what I think it is. As a community of faith, we have a choice to make if we enter into Christian community with each other, we have a choice to make when we're together. And I do think it's an either-or choice more often than we want it to be. Here are the two choices, the two options. We can either lift the burdens of others or we can add to them. We have a choice either to lift the burdens of others or to add to others' burdens. Which one should we do? (laughs) right? Jesus. (laughs) The answer is always Jesus when someone asks a question in church, right? I've told you the joke about the squirrel, right? Yeah, all right. I haven't told all of you the joke, right? Okay, I'll tell it again. (laughs) Thank you for asking me to. I was a little kid in Sunday school and the teacher was kind of doing a warm-up exercise and, and she's like, okay, I'm thinking of something that's gray and fluffy and it has a tail, and it climbs trees, and it likes to eat nuts. What is it, kids? And one kid goes, it sounds like a squirrel, but I know that the answer is always Jesus. (laughs) Anyways, which one should we do? It's a rhetorical question. Of course we should be the church that lifts other people's burdens instead of adding to other people's burdens. But the reason that I say it's an either-or thing is because it's very tricky. Here's what sometimes happens. When we are bearing someone else's burdens we are tempted to then compare ourselves to them oh so and so is having such a hard time with such and such i'm using you know generic language so that i don't put anybody on the spot i'll go help so and so with the problem they're having boy they re- they're really struggling with that problem man i'm so glad that i'm not struggling with that problem i must be really strong <laughs> Lord, thank you for not making me like so-and-so who struggles so painfully with that problem. And then what happens is we start to expect the whole community to abide by our metric of what is difficult and by our metric of what is right and wrong. And we expect the whole community to abide by the rules that are easiest for us to follow. We expect the whole community to be strong in the ways that we are strong. And if we we see anybody who's not strong in the way that we are strong, we begin to define them as weak innately. And all of a sudden... What are we doing? We're tying up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and placing them on the shoulders of other people while being entirely unwilling to lift a finger for those same burdens. And all because we wanted to do what was right. We wanted to start, we started out wanting to help someone, wanting to bear their burdens, and inevitably the comparison game starts to get played. And so in the end, I think it makes a lot of sense that the Apostle Paul would use these two different conflicting sentences so close to each other. Here it comes again, bear one another's burdens and in that way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. How would your neighbor's work become a cause for pride? Well, when it's terrible and yours is pretty good. It's comparison. Don't do that. Everybody has to carry their own load. Do you see how it makes sense now? Maybe a little? So, as I wrap up here, I want to ask you to think about two ideas. I want you to ask yourself... Kind of two sets of questions. As you think about the community of faith, right? You can look around the room and see other people who are here. If you're on Zoom um, or Facebook, you can maybe imagine the people who are here, or you can look at who's joining you in your digital realm right now. You could remember that there's a service at 9 a.m. too. There was a bunch of other artisan people here then. They're part of our community as well. And also, on any given Sunday, about one third of the people who are part of this church attend. Which is, again, not a shame thing, but the community is bigger than it seems like it is. And there are people out there who are struggling with all kinds of things. I want you to think about those people and maybe look around the room right now and say, ask yourself, who in this community is struggling around me? What are they struggling with and how can I help? How can I bear someone else's burdens? because that sounds really good, to do that and then in so doing, to fulfill the law of Christ. I didn't even touch on that, by the way. The idea that all of the religious laws, you don't have to worry so much if you bear one another's burdens. Paul's saying you're fulfilling the law of Christ. Anyway, who is struggling around me? How are they struggling? And how can I help lift their burdens? That's the first set of questions that I want you to think about. And the second one is, what am I struggling with What do I need? And who in this community might be to help, be able to help lift my burdens? And of course, with that question comes the additional, much more challenging question, will I let them? Here's a wonderful technique for you. If someone comes to you in need, they're kind of making themselves vulnerable. And you're going to be tempted to do that thing where you think of yourself as better than them. So to guard against that, one thing you can do, after you have offered solidarity and support and listening and not tried to solve their problem instantly, but offered to help in whatever way you can, after you've done all that work, you can then turn the tables and say, you know what, I'm so glad I got to help you in this way today. I hope it was helpful There's something that I might ask for your help with. Would you be willing, I know you're struggling, would you be willing to try and help me with the thing that I'm going through? Do you see how powerful that is? Because it disempowers you, and it empowers them, and that's exactly what we need in this situation, because we don't want to compare ourselves and think of ourselves better than someone else, because then we're deceiving ourselves, like Paul says. Can you help me with this other thing? Levels that playing field, and suddenly you are bearing one another's burdens which is actually what the command is. It's not just you, the most awesome person in the whole community, bear other people's burdens and never allow them to do the same for you. It's mutuality. Those are the two uh, areas that I'm asking you to consider for yourself. Looking around and thinking around my community of faith. Who is struggling? How are they struggling? And can I help? What could I do? Part one. And then part two, what am I struggling with? How can I receive help from others, and will I allow them to offer it? I'm going to give you about 15 seconds of silence, and I'm going to trust that somebody's name will come to your mind, perhaps. It's not quite enough to get someone's face to appear before you. You have to do something with it now. Maybe you don't know for sure, but you have this little inkling now. Would you reach out to them this week? Just say, hey, I was thinking of you. I want you to know that I'm here for you if you need me. And then also you're going to be thinking through what happens if someone reaches out to you in that way. And in both cases, here's a bonus question, a bonus idea. How can I be kind and gracious to others and to myself in equal measure? Knowing that we are all eating forgiveness and tasting and drinking mercy, thanks to the goodness of God and the sacrifice of Christ, because that's the ultimate leveling of the playing field. It might come easier for you to be kind and gracious and gentle with another person And it might be harder to be kind and gracious and gentle with yourself. The reverse might be true. You know yourself. My encouragement to you is to be kind and gracious and gentle with yourselves and others in equal measure. Because that's the way the Lord is for us. I hope that we will be a community that bears one another's burdens when it's appropriate. And that we'll be a community that carries our own load when that's appropriate. And I hope that we'll have the wisdom to know the difference. That's my prayer for you and for me and for us. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.